What's going on, everybody? This is Kyle Serlo, host of the Golf Guide podcast and also now host of Highly Technical Golf Talk, uh, a show within a show, if you will, uh, where we have long, in-depth conversations with people in the world of golf uh, about you know topics that maybe don't uh, get all that much attention. And today, uh, this is part two of our conversation with Dan Hasselroth talking all things club fitting and equipment. So if you missed part one of our conversation, you can go ahead and check that out. Uh, it was released last week. Uh, this is a continuation, um, if you will, the second half uh, of our conversation that I had with Dan, uh, again, regarding all things equipment and club fitting. So check out part one if you haven't already. And if you have, well then, please enjoy another episode of Highly Technical Golf Talk. Oh. Fuck. Shit. These are highly technical golf terms. You'll use them on your very first lesson. I have a fancy way of asking this, but I'm just going to come out and just break it down piece by piece. Pinky out, bro. Let's do it. How good does somebody have to be in order to really be justified in hitting blades? Like, I mean, you could throw, like, a, a handicap out there, but, you know, like, if you actually want to be playing... I'm, I'm looking at my friend Brad over here, my, my, my darily friend who uh, uses Brad? pretty pretty Brad? thin profile blade-like irons that may or may not have any business uh, swinging something like that. <laughs> we'll take Brad uh, out of the equation, because he's obviously... Uh, like, how good generally should somebody be before they really are justified in hitting blade irons? Uh, that's so tough. Because you always get the people who are like, oh, I'm a, I'm a three handicap. And like, yeah. It's like, like dude, okay, I just, watched, I just looked at your golf swing. That is impossible. <laughs> it's not impossible. I will say this. Like, it depends what you need. Um, Better be Ben fucking Crenshaw on that putting green. I'll tell you what. How many guys on the PGA are playing blades? That's all I'd ask you. So that, that was actually part of my question is because I am shocked I know Adam with Scott. how few guys I see on tour using actual blade irons. It's I know Adam Scott. I know Tommy Fleetwood. Those are the top two that come off the top, uh, top of my mind. Tiger, obviously. Tiger. Yep. Um, pretty good ball strikers. Uh, again, you know, even like, I mean, Adam Scott's a, a really cool example. He's actually, he Titleist makes his irons still for him. I think he's the only one who still has the 690 uh, MBs made for him. They still have the mold for his irons because he still plays them. I don't know if he's upgraded since then, but... Still amazing. Fleetwood and Tiger obviously use the uh, the new, um, you know, the tailor-made uh, T-dubs. But, uh, you know, again, I think it has to do with what you're trying to do with the club. Some guys just want aesthetics. I mean, like Adam Scott, like he likes the aesthetics of his, of his Titleist blades. So, um, you know, I think that's something different. Um, you know, I think, you know, even like Justin Rose uses kind of some combination of that new Honma blade. But, I mean, to say how good you need to be, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, a blade is just, it's harder to control, but you can do more with it. Right. So it, it, it's a little bit more, you can put more spin on a ball with a blade. Um, it has a it has a smaller sole, uh, which is essentially the, the distance between the leading edge, which is the, the, cl- the part of the bottom of the club, closest to the club face, and the trailing edge, which is the back of it. So by having that, you're able to get into tighter situations a little bit better. You're able to play off a of tighter lies a little bit better. Um, but... You know, other than that, I think it really just has to do with aesthetics. Like, because these guys are such good ball strikers that they can really hit anything. Um, you know, I really don't think you necessarily have to need to be a particular type of player to hit blades. I just think at a certain point, it's kind of like, 
you're, you're doing yourself a disservice because, you know, you start losing consistency and to be able to say you hit a blade is cool. I mean, they look great in a bag. Like they got, they're sexy as hell in a bag. Like you're like, they look, they look Our super friend Brad cool. looks cool as shit when he, when he's, when he's I in, mean, in his it, golf clothes. It's really the only reason I'm, I'm here right now. <laughs> and the only reason he's my friend. So <laughs> it's pretty funny. No, but um, yeah, no problem. Uh, but no, seriously, like, no, but I mean the, the blade, the blade conversation, I mean, it really has to do with, again, how consistently can you put that club on the ball? Mm-hmm. And if you can do it all the time, good for you. Like yeah. I, I have no aversion to fitting people into blades, but you need, you need to be able to convince me that there is a reason why a blade is better for you than maybe even a small cavity bag. Cause mm-hmm. we're talking even the smallest cavity bags can add so much more consistency because of the perimeter weighting. You're talking about a sweet spot on a blade, um, you know, being, you know, a third of the size of something that is just the next level cavity back up, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, the way I look at it, it's like blades are cool as hell, but like why make the game harder on you than it needs to be? And, you know, sometimes the answer to that is like, hey, they look really cool. I like the way they look. And mm-hmm. and personally, I've hit blades before. And some of the best golf I've ever played in my life was with blades. And I think for me, it was mental. I think blades are smaller. So you kind of, you have to focus more. You got to hone in. You you know you don't have that extra help. So you got to, yeah. you just, it just, it forces you. It's kind of like that sink or swim mentality, right? Um, but I don't think there is an answer for like, oh, you have to be a particular, um, you know, handicap. I just sure. think like, hey, if you can hit them, cool. Um, but you know, there's, there's very little reason to need blades anymore. I mean, you look at guys like, um, like even when Spieth was playing his best golf, he was playing AP twos, which was actually their, like, like their third level up from a blade. They have mm-hmm. their MBs, they have their CBs and they have their AP twos. Their AP twos, that's cavity back iron. It's forged and it's, you know, it's, you know, it's got, it's, it's got a great, um, you know, kind of like, like a smaller profile to mm-hmm. it, but it's still a cavity back. So yeah. you got all these guys on there. It's like, why would I work harder than I need to? So that's kind of, yeah. With something like the AP2 you're talking about with Jordan Spieth, does that, it, it seems like it doesn't have the same workability as, say, a traditional blade would, or is it the case where when you're as good as they are, you can hit all of the different shots and all the different shapes that they need to with the cavity back? Or do you think if he were to move to something more of a, like a traditional blade, he in theory could hit more golf shots than he would be able to with those AP2s he was playing? Yeah, again, again, I think it's player by player. I think it has okay. to do with kind of what kind of uh, shot you're trying to hit. You got guys like, um, like I mean, I'll use Tiger as an example. He's he's always trying to flight his ball uh, in a particular way, and I think mm-hmm. he knows that essentially he's he has a tool in his hand that gives him more um, possibilities, and he he's very much a um, a shot shaper. Uh, he is not so technical that he plays the same shot every time. I think mm-hmm. he has his preferences, but he wants to be able to to really flight that ball every way he can, and and and. You know, in the end, a blade can do more of that than a cavity back like an AP2. Um, but I think, again, if, if you're the type of player who, who wants to just kind of keep things more consistent, like, hey, you go with the cavity back. It's more consistent. Um, obviously, those guys can hit every shot, I guess, to answer your question. Like, they, they yeah. can take in, they can, they can take your, you know, your, your ping eye, too, and shape it in ways you would never think are possible. But, um, again, that's just – that's more of their technique. And I think that, unfortunately, some people kind of – maybe underestimate how much work these guys put in and, and how much they can, I mean, look, these guys, they can play with a, a you know, a lady's set of golf clubs and, and crush you. 
because they <laughs> they have so much um, control over that club head. That, they're really that, good. I mean, they're they're they're, they're really good. really good. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, half these guys are single digits from, you know, the opposite side of the ball than they normally play. So, I mean, look, I think when it comes to their level, it's like it's just it's about what they feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Like they can they can take any club and do it with. But look, if you're out there and you're trying to get some blades, like good on you, man. Go get some blades. Like I think the beautiful thing about blades is they don't lie to you. Um I feel vindicated. <laughs> Brad, yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm I'm all about uh, it. Brad's uh, over here just totally peanut gallery. Yeah. Yeah, you be proud about your uh, blades. Over there. No, but I, I do think that blades are—they do have a purpose. I think they're really. I think honestly, if people—if people who are really trying to get better at golf—if they have like a cheap set of blades that they went out to the range with, I think are super um, valuable because blades will not lie to you. They'll tell you when you're hitting a good shot, mm-hmm. and they'll tell you when you're hitting a bad shot, and yep. there is no in between. I mean, so that's a really cool way to kind of dial in your swing and. I, again, we we were talking about this earlier. There's nothing better than hitting a pure shot with blades, but there's nothing worse either. Yeah. Um, it, they they are the most um, honest feedback that you're going to get from a club. But mm-hmm. you know, to get out there on a course and say that you need blades, I would I would hesitate to say anybody ever needs a blade, other than just kind of like maybe the aesthetics of it and just being used to it their whole life. But okay. at this point, it, the way technology is, um, you know, there's very few people that I think have have a necessity for blades gotcha yeah now once upon a time there were blades and then the opposite end of the spectrum there were the old cavity backs and then i don't know why but i remember the phrase for what it was in the middle was called i think it was a muscle back is what they used to call them is that still a thing or is it more what you were referring to just the size of the cavity back is bigger and smaller and once the, any kind of a cavity back is gone then it becomes a blade is that so muscle backs a blade so a muscle let, back let me, is a blade. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, okay. I'll kind of uh, you know clear that up for you. So so an MB, anything you look at a club where it has an MB, that usually stands for muscle back. Uh, muscle back means that there is no um, perimeter weighting to the club. Generally, if you look at the hmm. back of a club, let's say it's it's oriented like you're hitting it, um, there will be maybe a little bit more mass or weight towards the bottom of that club head. But a muscle back um, – is essentially a blade. Those are synonymous. Um, hmm, okay. Now, a cavity back um, is usually the kind of step up from that, and that's where they'll start putting perimeter weighting around the um, the outside of the club, where you'll start to see a more subtle cavity back. And really, what that does is it just it it makes a bigger sweet spot. Um, it puts more mass towards the perimeter of the club, and what that does is that allows for miss hits to have more kind of inertia behind it, which will create more ball speed, which will then in turn create less distance reduction on a miss hit. So you know, if, if you're, if you're off, if you're off the, the center of a, um, uh, the center of, of a club face, you're going to lose less distance. So that's really what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not, um, you know, hitting a good shot. Forgiveness is pretty much, Hey, I made bad contact how penal is my result? And um, if I can still get good ball speed and less side spin, then that ball is going to end up closer to the green than it would with, you know, a different club. And that's why muscle backs are so, you know, kind of um, feast or famine because you pretty much have a club um, that has such a smaller sweet spot, let's say. Uh, but then you also get a lot of, um, you know, you get you get a lot of opportunity there. Um, I think if you if you were to look at it, you have a club head, uh, and a blade would be like having a laser beam, where you have a lot of energy directed in a very small area, mm. whereas a cavity back would be more like a flashlight. 
and hmm. that's and that's why you get more um you know more forgiveness from a cavity back because the the center gravity of the club is actually pulled back away from the club face which makes it more forgiving which is why you see a lot of these club heads like drivers for instance the more forgiving ones are usually more elongated you'll look at like pings you'll look at some of these like tailor maids or whatever where they kind of have a longer what happens is you put that center of gravity away from the club ha- club face it's like if you were to take a flashlight and put it right against the wall it's got a small um, diameter right but the further you pull it, the flashlight away that that the area surface area increases, surface area increases mm-hmm. right it's the same idea it's not the same you know like it's not not the same physics involved but it's the same idea as far as yeah. visually representing how big the sweet spot gets and that's hmm. and that's really what it comes down to and so um yeah man cavity backs just i don't i don't understand why more people don't hit it it's like why why do you want to make the game harder on yourself than you need to other than just looking cool like brad which i mean well i agree you know let's bounce on that brad as somebody Brad, come come over here. Let's get let's get get you on a mic here, real quick. Brad Quince, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Brad, if we can ask you right off the top of the bat, what what is your handicap right now? Other than golf. Uh, so I just renewed my NCGA membership. Good first step. Okay. And right now it's about a twelve. Okay. The. Clubs I'm using do not help that. Interesting. It's not conducive. Interesting. I will be first to admit that. Okay. So however, I feel cool hitting them when I hit them good. When I hit them Which bad. happens what percentage of your swings? <laughs> well, I'm not playing that often <laughs> right now. So that's not helping either. Okay. So given that information, Dan, you've seen Brad swing a golf club before. If I also now say, you know what? We're going to get Brad all set up. I want him to come get fitted from you, Dan. I know for a fact that you're not going to recommend that he continue using the clubs that he currently is right now. Someone like Brad who has a golf swing that is fun. (laughs) If you were to take the basically blades he's currently hitting right now, fit him and put a cavity back into his hand, put cavity backs into his bag, what is the expected improvement you would you would hope to see from from something like that like what how many strokes off their handicap can somebody in that skill range expect to see from getting properly fitted or i'm assuming it's different for everybody but general i guess generally speaking first of all if i'm betting brad (laughs) i would have him continue to hit blades (laughs) so i can take (laughs) all his money (laughs) however that being said (laughs) Um, you know, it's like, I think you, you said it perfectly. It's different for every person. It depends. Like everybody has that part of the game where they're losing strokes on the golf course. Um, I still maintain like from being a, an instructor, if you want to shave strokes off your game and, and I know this is, this, uh, episode is all about kind of fitting all that, but go chip and putt. Yes. If you want to, if you want to shave strokes off your game, like chip and putt, just, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's boring maybe when you're out there practicing it. But it's going to save you the most strokes on your game. So that's first things first. Blades, again, like, again, it really just depends. Like, is that the part of your game where you're losing strokes? Like, I mean, I get guys all the time, and that's where I think, you know, I think you're kind of asking, like, hey, what handicap do you need to hit blades? I'd always have guys come in, and they're like, oh, well, I'm a I'm a 20 handicap, so I need cavity backs. Okay, well, that just because you're a 20 handicap, that didn't teach me anything. You could suck at putting. You could three-putt every green. If you three putt every green and you hit every green in regulation, you're an 18 handicap. But you hit every green in regulation, 
So you're an 18 handicap, and I'm, but you've hit every green in regulation, which means you're a good ball striker. It means you're good off the tee, you're good in the fairway. So I'm not going to put you in a better set of irons because you're an 18 handicap. No, you're good at ball striking. I can put you in a good set of irons. Uh, you just suck at putting. We maybe need to have a putting lesson. So handicap, I think, is a little bit, um, it's a little bit of a misnomer, you yeah. know, as far as like, oh, you got to be a three handicap to hit blades. Like, no, man, you could be an excellent ball striker. I've known guys who are excellent iron players, but they just suck off the tee. Me being one of them, I can't hit fairways to save my life, but you put me in like, you know, I'm like Seve Ballesteros out of the freaking trees, you know, I'll make pars from anywhere. And people are like, what the hell, man? And so a lot of people are like that. So that again, it, it, you got to know your strengths. You got to know your weaknesses. If the irons are a weakness in your game, let's just say this. If you're, if you're a hundred, if I give you a 10 balls from 180 out and you can't hit the green three times, we need to get you some new irons. Okay. Like that's just, that's just how it is. I don't care how fast your ball speed is or how fast your swing speed is. I mean, if you need a hybrid to get there, fine, but we need to get you something that, you know, most players, if you're playing the proper tees, I know everybody wants to play the blacks because, you know, they, they, you know, every, every, it's a, it's a, you know, you know what measuring contest out there for most guys, but you know, if you're 180 out, dick. you need to, yes. Dick measuring. Yeah, it's a dick measuring yeah. contest. Dicks. Right. Sorry, continue. <laughs> Sorry, you got me excited. <laughs> no, but no, seriously, like, it, it, so really, it, it depends on each player, and so you're right, but um, the average stroke gained, I mean, I guess you you kind of just have to do the math, right? Let's just take nine holes and let's say, you know, you have an iron. You're not so good with your irons. And let's say from 150 yards out, you are hitting four out of 10 greens uh, with your current irons. If I can get you to hit um, just two more, you know, out of those nine, so six out of nine greens from 150 out, this is obviously assuming you're in the fairway every time. Well, so now I've given you two more opportunities at a potential birdie putt. Uh, which can then save you, let's see, I mean, let's just say you two-putt it, right? So now I've saved you two strokes on nine holes, and that's four strokes overall, so I've loaded your handicap four points, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, that. so that's like a very, like, um, I guess just like easy way of calculating that. But, I mean, the, the results can be a lot better than that, and, and in my experience, they are a lot better because if you're hitting the ball more consistently, then, you know, you're not adding on those extra strokes because, I mean, remember – it's only, you know, like to my example, it's only maybe two or three strokes aside that's going to add another four to six strokes to your handicap. So, you know, when people really, um, you know, they might think it's insignificant when you're talking about, um, you know, just upping your average another, you know, 15, 20 percent as far as greens and regulation. But if you're a decent putter and I can get you on two more greens and nine, then we're probably, I mean, that's the difference between, you know, breaking 80. That's the difference between breaking mm -hmm. 90. You know I mean? There's, there's, there's a lot of uh, benefit to that. And it, it adds up over time because people don't realize like it, like, again, it's, it's all, it's all additive. I, if I can make you more confident in your iron game from 150 out, well, now you're not that guy who has a 350 yard par four that you're hitting a driver off. You're hitting hybrid off it because you don't need to hit driver. Because you don't need to be 100 yards from the green. You're 150, and you feel comfortable from 150. Right. So they don't. people don't realize how just having a more a, a more solid game from 150 yards in can really, like, just translate to, like, like really being better off the tee. I mean, mm -hmm. the amount of rounds I've played where I have didn't pull driver out that much and shot really well, it's amazing. Yeah, you, you, I mean – yeah, you want to pull out the driver a lot, but it's like, do I want to do that or do I want to shoot better scores? And I think that's um, that's what people really, when they when they actually 
get to that point where they feel confident in that part of their game, that's where it really shows. So, you know, it's kind of hard to just like throw a number on it, but I'd say if I got, if I fit Brad right now, I'd probably be able to shave like five strokes off, but I'm not going to do that. So interesting. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He likes likes left-handers like Phil. So that is true. We can just make you left-handed. That is true. Dude, I have like a thousand more questions I want to ask you. Although I do want you to go to bed at a reasonable hour tonight. So I'll I'll limit it to a few more questions before we, uh, let's do, we call it 990 more. Okay. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) Brad, Brad, you can leave whenever you're ready. I'm good. Um, So we were just talking about, you know, the skill level for someone to hit blades. Is there a particular skill level of golfer? And I don't necessarily, you don't need to like isolate it to a handicap, but is there a a particular skill of golfer that stands to gain the most from getting fitted? If they, if they haven't been fitted before. Yes. So, I would say I would say there's kind of two categories when it comes to that. There's either the guy that was a binary question, by the way. I should have asked you to elaborate. No, no, it's no, it's good. It's good. I mean, (laughs) I would say like it's funny because I get the guys who have played golf like their whole life, right? So they've they they know their game, and and those are the kind of guys who I'm I'm not going to mess with anything. I'm not going to give them anything that feels uncomfortable, but I'm going to take their weaknesses and make them a little bit better, and I'm going to take their strengths and make them like just you know, freaking ironclad, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if this guy is just an amazing iron player, um, I'm going to not try to change too much. I'm going to work with what he has, and that's where, as a fitter, you you want to make sure that you look at what a player is currently playing because, you know, you, you want to know, like, again, it's, it's it's figuring out the why behind the what. So if I, if I know a player has this particular strength or weakness, I'm trying to figure out, like, why. Is it because your swing, or let, let me see your clubs? Like, what 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 have you been working with that has caused that result? So, um, yeah, I think, uh, man, I I think a better player, I would I would generally try to work on that. Um, maybe maybe a less experienced player, I think that that's where you really just kind of have to tell them what they need. Okay, you need to just be like a little bit more direct and kind of that's kind of where you have a little bit more, I would say like wet clay in, in form of, you know, they're, you can hopefully mold them a little bit. They haven't ingrained those habits, whether they're good or bad. And so you can kind of be like, Hey, look, this is what you need. Like just, yeah, there might be some growing pains, but deal with it. Um, you know, to say like, you know, somebody can, can prove to gain more than others. I think everybody can gain something by being fit. But that's also because, again, the game's so dynamic, you know? Like, me at 32 years old is different than me at 24 years old when I was playing. It's going to be different than when I'm 50, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I'm going to need different clubs at those times. But, again, like, there's going to be certain things that I feel are my strengths and weaknesses. And um, hopefully, if you're getting fit, you're going to get fit to address those weaknesses. And, you know, and if you can, you know, I would probably start with the weaknesses. And then if if you want to just up your game, like whatever your strengths are, you know, you go with that too. But, you know, again, it's, it's about really being able to kind of just be honest with yourself. Cause a lot of golfers, you know, they tend to kind of uh, maybe, I think they're maybe a little bit, I don't want to say a little bit better than they should be, but people like to put themselves in the best light without being really true to themselves. And I would just say, if you're going to go get fit, just be open to it. Be open to the criticism. Don't like, Again, it's like going to a doctor's office. Like, just don't lie to your fitter because they'll be able to look at the numbers either way. Like, you can come in and tell me all you want that you say you hit your 7-iron 150, but when I look at the numbers, I know for damn well you hit a 135, right. which is fine. Um, but just, you know, 
just be just you know kind of just try to be as relaxed as possible and be open so sure that makes sense is there one particular piece of technology that you would say has made the biggest difference in terms of players that you fitted whether it be like the invention and you know subsequent development of the hybrid or maybe the advances in driver head technology shaft technology is there is there one thing you can kind of isolate as the thing that's probably made the biggest difference in terms of how you fit it and what you've recommended people to buy i think it's a fitter um, the more information, the better. I think being able to have better launch monitors and being able to um, more accurately get um, data like ball speed, launch, and spin has really helped. So to give you an example, launch monitors about like 10, maybe 10 years ago, they used to be able to just read the the golf ball. So what would happen is you would have a, um, a high-speed camera that would be able to see the golf ball leaving the club head and be able to calculate based on the first, let's say, three feet of the ball traveling, the type of spin that was on it. So whether it be backspin, sidespin, and then also the speed. And then it would kind of, you know, use its, you know, algorithms and whatnot to to calculate a, a simulation of what the ball did. So that's what you call a golf simulator, right? Uh, now you're looking at machines like a TrackMan, so if you can get fit outdoors, like you can actually have a track man that can see the ball, the entire flight of the golf ball, so that it's not simulating, it's actually reading. So hmm. that is that's there's a difference between that. One is kind of a, you know, um, you know, obviously a, a, a guesstimate, right? And one is like actual data. And it can also like the the advent of these new um, launch monitors also are able to read the club head. And so a lot of the monitors we use can actually use, I, I can actually see what the club head is doing before it hits the ball, as it hits the ball, and as it's leaving uh, the, um, the area of impact. And as a fitter, that helps because that, again, helps answer that question of like, why? Like, okay, I see the numbers, I see the data, I, I have more accurate data now, but then I also have like the, um, you know, kind of the causes of it, right? Like, why is this guy creating a lot of spin? Um, and those are like the added things. So you, you used to be able to really only track like ball speed and spin, which are really helpful. Um, and maybe like, you know, how the ball is coming off the face left to right of target. But now I can, I can look at the club head, how much, like how steep is the club uh, head coming in, what they call angle of attack. Um, how much, you know, how quickly is the club face opening or closing? So I can actually tell if a player naturally has like fast hands or if they have, you know, the inability to, to release the club too much, which then I can fit them into a shaft that will help either kind of calm down that release because they have fast hands or maybe, you know, help them release the clubs more. So those are like, it's just more information. And so, okay. you know, the, the actual technology itself, I think the club heads, yeah, they, they become very consistent. Um, club pace is becoming thinner. That's obviously regulated by the USGA. You can't have a um, too fast of a, a COR. Um, on the on the club faces, uh, more of the manufacturers are getting better at getting to that limit of uh, of COR, which is the coefficiency of restitution. Essentially, how how of course quickly the ball can come off the club face. So it's how springy it is. Is right. essentially what it is. So it's really just trying to f um, get to that level much more because you know as people probably know, the pros 
have played with hotter club heads than the rest of us for our whole life. And, and well, you and know, they they you know they they need they need a little bit more help than we do. So that makes they do, sense. yeah, they're terrible. They suck. So yeah. I mean, we're out there. They're, we're the ones grinding. They're just out there making money. So whatever. exactly. Uh, but no, like I mean, so now we're now more than ever us as the everyday consumer is, are able to play the like the closest to the golf clubs that the pros are actually playing. Hmm. Uh, the gap is a lot um, a lot tighter than it used to be because the club heads are so similar and because we have access to the the shafts now um, they're always going to be at kind of the forefront of the innovations that that companies are coming up with but you know we're we're there so i mean um yeah that's that's hope that answers your question yeah yeah so more or less it's it's more about your tools as a fitter than it more so is you know innovations in terms of the actual equipment itself is probably more important for doing be doing a better job of fitting yeah, I mean, I I agree, and I think I think as far as equipment goes, I graphite shafts have really come a long way. Mm-hmm. I think if we're gonna if we're gonna just make it as simple as just actual technology, um, the club the club heads have got more forgiving. The graphite shafts are, are a lot better than they used to be, and I think I think that's where a lot of people can gain, especially as they get up there in age. Um, it, graphite used to just be so inconsistent, and it used to be really hard to fit people into, and it was just easy because it was lightweight. Gets that guy who doesn't have club head speed. Um, a little bit more ball speed, but it was just really inconsistent. So now they're a lot better. You got mm-hmm. guys out there like, um, I don't know if it was Kucher or um, one of the guys out there was playing like, you see guys playing these steel fiber shafts from Aerotech a lot, mm-hmm. essentially, which are graphite shafts that are um, that have steel fibers interwoven within them. So the idea being that you can get something that is as consistent as steel, but it, it's easier to load and to get more ball speed um, and club head speed like graphite would get you. So that, that technology has been really good. Um, and then just, yeah, I think just like anything, you know, you get these companies just kind of like an arms race, like trying to get more distance, trying to get more forgiveness. Um, and I would just say for people to don't get caught up in too much of the marketing. I mean, a lot of it, like as a club fitter, I, y- if you came in with a club that was three years old, four years old, and you let me fit it into you, um, with like the right shaft and stuff like that, uh, I could probably make it pretty close to as good as what's out there right now. Um, because that's, you know, in the end, you know, I'll, I'll use the analogy again, but if, if you, if you buy a shitty suit, but you get it tailored to you, it's going to look good. If you buy a $3,000 suit and it doesn't fit you, it's going to look like shit. So, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. It's not always about how much money you're spending, um, it's it's about you know how much it actually fits you. So okay, all right. Well, I'm gonna cap this podcast off with what may be the dumbest question that I've asked you all night. And so I'll start here. A few years ago, I was playing golf with a gentleman who played collegiate golf. I mean, I think it was D2 or D3, and he had this club in his bag, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" And he said, "Oh yeah, this is a it's a hybrid. It's a 24 degree hybrid." I was like, "Oh, what's that?" It looks a little, why is it short? He goes, oh, no, no, it's a 24 degree hybrid that I had cut down to the length of my eight iron. And I said, huh, what's the point? He's like, well, think about it this way, man. It's a hybrid. It's a club that I can hit really consistently, 210 yards in the air, but I have as much control of it as I do with my eight iron. And then I was like, huh, I hit it. It felt really good. It felt different, but it also felt very smooth and just wildly easy to hit and so i was thinking to myself ever since that point I was, i've always thought to myself hmm one day maybe i'm going to get myself a hybrid and i'm just going to chop that bitch down to like a nine iron and eight iron length and just see if it works would you ever 
fit somebody and recommend that to somebody without them specifically asking you to do so. <laughs> yeah, that's a di- that's a that's a Bryson DeChambeau move right there. Um, so first of all, if, if anyone came in and told me what they wanted to do, I'd just say, "Go ahead and do it." Like, okay. Why why why, you, why you asking me? Like you're paying me to fit you, and you're just gonna go do some anyway. Like whatever, just go save your money. Um, no, hi- hybrids have been a great invention. Um, I I yeah, I, I think as far as equipment goes, like um, that's probably one thing that I personally have never found a huge advantage of, just because I. I've never found a, a huge advantage of hybrids just cause I, I just haven't really been able to hit them like yeah. myself, but in fitting people, hundred uh, percent, what hybrids do is they give you the, um, combination as the name implies, like of an iron and a wood. Um, and what it does, it gives you about a, a club that is about the length of an iron as, as we spoke before, a shorter club is generally easier to control. Uh, but it gives you the things that help a wood get the ball to go farther, which are a lower center of gravity, um, which helps the ball launch higher. Uh, it's got a hollow club head, which will allow the face to flex more, which gives you more ball speed. Um, and it's just a larger club head, so it gives you more um, you know, room for error. So all those things combined uh, make for a more... Um, and more forgiving club. Now, would I chop it down to an eight iron? Probably not. I mean, there you see a lot of club okay. heads. I mean, you. Got, I mean, but here's the thing. Again, like like there's a discussion before as far as like drivers and things like that go. If you find a more consistent ball striking with a shorter club, then go for it. Uh, but again, it's about ball speed. So if if I'm cutting down the club so much that it it lessens my club head speed and therefore lessens my um, ball speed, then it's not worth it because now I'm losing potential distance. There, there's kind of like, you know, there, there's always like a tipping point, right? Where it's like, at what point is that club becoming too long for me to control? And we want to kind of get to that point because we don't want to give up potential distance. But right. Hybrids are great. I think if people can hit them, it's awesome. I think as a, um, a general rule of thumb, I mean, it is a combination between a, a you know, a, a wood and an iron. So if you've, if you're trying one out for the first time, set up to it like you would in a wood. Um, you're not trying to make a divot with it because that club's not going to be able to get through the turf. But, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, kind of hit down on it a little bit. I think the, the big miss for people with hybrids is always left because they're used to hitting it like a fairway wood. And so they turn the face over really quickly. But the thing is, it's it's not long enough for you to be able to release it that hard. So you're going to be hitting hooks with it. But um, that's why I think cutting it down helps a lot of people because if you okay. cut down a club, you naturally will swing steeper at it. So it probably controls it. But hybrids are great. I think they're great for players getting up there in age who are losing distance. It just gives them easy ball speed. Um, but I do think that, you know, you need to use it with caution because you lose a little bit of versatility because you get that thing into the rough, uh, you get it into like a bunker, you're not going to be able to hit it out of there quite as well. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I know some, you know, old timers who just absolutely destroy it with hybrids. So, for sure. you know, I think it's always something to try out, but it's not for everybody. So Awesome. Well, I got to tell you what, man, I, I have – just here in my notes, a dozen more questions and topics I wanted to bring up with you, uh, including things more into technology, certainly more into apparel. But I also know that uh, all of us have lives and, and you know obligations in the morning. So I'm going to request that maybe this is not our last podcast together. Maybe. Is that Does that jive okay with you? We'll let the viewers decide. <laughs> no, absolutely, man. No, it's been good. Um, I'm sure, as you can tell by the length of my answers i got plenty to say and i i love it man i don't have much you you make hosting so so easy it it is absolutely (laughs) awesome um but since we are coming to a close here i'm Mm -hmm. gonna flip the script here do you have any questions for 
a degenerate like myself? Knows uh, the knows the correct answer, but I I, I will I will no. field any questions you I might mean, have I, as well. I love it. I think I think for for me it's always uh, interesting to, you know, get the feedback like people who are really like I feel like you're a uh, somebody who's obviously very devoted to the game, but maybe not like quite the lifer that some of us who like grew up playing golf was. Like when did you get into golf? Like what was kind of like what kind of got you on this uh, you know, this heroin fix that is golf? Mm, family. I nice. unfortunately uh, started playing at age five. Oh, so you have okay, but still no, no, uh, nobody in your family who enough to where it was like, let's go get fit, let's get you. Some. It was kind of more just like no. It's it's actually pretty shocking in that uh, I grew up in a house where my dad was also a golf, you know, nut, but he's never been really good. And I've never oh, been really good. Well, okay. Um, just because we can both beat Brad doesn't necessarily mean that we're good at golf. Okay. <laughs> but like my, my dad, his handicap has never been lower than a 9.9. He broke into single digits for a single two-week span and then went right back up. So he's never been a great golfer. That's how you win money, though. Let me pray. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my, my handicap has never gone lower than a 6.8. So I've never been any – I've never even sniffed scratch golf i've never shot even par for 18 holes in my life despite probably having logged a couple thousand no my all-time low is one over par Damn. at old mcdonald at bannon dunes nice which was an unbelievable round of golf but that yeah. being said uh my dad has obviously published you know the golf guide magazine for you know the better part of 20 years now and so we've both been in the golf industry we're both we both love golf but you know for lack of a better phrase, you know, we're both, uh, you know, we we both have Jewish roots, and so we're a little, uh, maybe a little overly frugal sometimes. Frugal. And, and uh, you know, when it comes to fitting and things like that, I, I think me and him have always had the mindset of, eh, we're just not that good. Like, eh, fuck it, it's okay. Like, I'm going to sure. shoot 82 the rest of my life and whatever. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm now getting to the point where I don't know if shooting 79 and 80 you know, a little bit more often is it going to necessarily make me more happy when I go play golf. But I think I've now played for long enough where in talking to you and having all the conversations I get to have with other people, I'm thinking to myself, well, why the fuck not? I mean, otherwise I am just going to keep shooting 82 for the rest of my life. So maybe, maybe it is worth it. You just spend a thousand bucks, get fitted, do all the stuff I need to get a couple clubs in my bag that, uh, probably better for my golf swing than I have right now. And just, just kind of see what happens. Yeah, no, that's that's huge, and I I I guess the reason I asked that is because, uh, and you you nailed it right there. A lot of people come in, and they just want to know, and I think with what you just said, it's kind of like that what if type thing, and you always have that what if, unless you actually just go kind of talk to somebody who's a fitter. Like I said, sometimes it's a therapy session, mm -hmm. stuff. But again, you don't have to spend a thousand bucks. Like it's it's going in, and sometimes it's like. You'll have that, that fitter telling you, hey, you're not that far off. Like, just do a couple tweaks. Or like, hey, like, you know what? Like, maybe you're focusing on the wrong thing. Maybe you think you need a driver, but like, you need this. And I think that it, it can get very intimidating because people don't really know what they're getting into. So they think, oh, shit, I'm going to go into this fitting and I'm going to walk out and uh, I'm going to be about 2,000 lighter in the pocket. But it's like, it's not like that. Like, a good fitter is going to be able to tell you what you need and going to leave that decision up to you to see whether it's worth it. And, you know, again, can you translate it to, like, how many strokes you're going to save? No. But I can definitely tell a guy how 
poorly his clubs are fit for him. And I can tell him very directly, like, hey, look, this is going to make a substantial difference to your game. Or, hey, you know what? Like, this is just going to be kind of like a something nice. So I think, you know, where you're at, I totally get it. Like, golf is not an easy sport to get into. Um, for anybody listening, like, you guys know it's not cheap. Um, so because of that, you know, do stuff that, that will help you know, improve your game incrementally. And, you know, if, if it doesn't make sense financially, don't do it, but just realize that there are ways to improve um, without having to spend a ton of money, like spend it smartly. Yeah. Well, since you're, since you're my golf therapist, I will continue to open myself up to you and all of our listeners. I I, I have finally, probably over the last six months or so, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm actually ready and excited to go get fit um, specifically for my driver. I think, Putting the proper shaft in my driver can only help. I mean, I don't hit my driver poor. And in fact, if I were to play Lynx golf exclusively, I wouldn't change anything about my driver because the problem with it is I really struggle to get it more than about 25 feet off the ground. <laughs> my driver will fly only between 195 and 225 yards in the air. However, because of the launch angle and the speed I hit that thing at, Unless I'm playing in the dead of winter, I'm getting like 40 to 80 yards of roll <laughs> on you know every time I hit my driver. So I end up still hitting the ball anywhere between 235 and shit. At Bannon last year, I was hitting drives over 300 yards because I was getting 100 plus yards of roll on it. But I think that's probably in large part because of the shaft that I have and it's probably not correct. Um, there may be some other things need to get tweaked. I don't carry a three wood. I don't carry a five wood. <laughs> I don't carry a three iron and I think, you know, getting fit for a driver and then maybe getting fit for a three wood is I think going to be beneficial. Is that, is that crazy to say? I would say this is the one thing I always tell people when they get fit, look, whenever you play golf and this is for everybody listening here, the easiest way to figure out whether you have a gap in your bag is next time you go play golf and you get a shot on a particular golf hole where you think, damn, I wish I had this club or I I need to change my swing. Like I need to choke down on this club or I need to do that. If you get that a few times around, then you have a need for a golf club. In the end, they're always going to have shots. Like you're never going to have the perfect club for every shot. But 85 yards. I mean, 85, That's it for me. 85 yards right there. Just a little 60, like a little, little, little flip 60 in there. No big deal. That's <laughs> my weak ass golf swing actually cannot hit a 56 that far that is in between a gap wedge and a sandwich for me is that See? bad no not at all <laughs> i mean 85 yards so you know what you do you just don't leave yourself 85 yards <laughs> I mean, that's it. leave yourself leave yourself 100 <laughs> that's a classic choke up with the old gap wedge and just, just See, but that's the hope again again that's where it comes down to you got to know who you're fitting you got to know the type of player because like the instructor side of me will say well, if you don't like hitting 85-yard shots, like instead of hitting a freaking driver to 85 yards, hit a whatever four iron off the tee, right? So mm-hmm. let's say you don't have a three wood and a three hybrid, right? I've got a 19-degree hybrid, a driver, and a four iron. Cool. Those so you have a nine, so you have a 19-degree hybrid. That's a three mm-hmm. iron. So you have a three iron in your bag. It's just a hybrid, and right. you can hit that thing. And now you're gonna have 110 in. You could probably hit a 110-yard shot. So do that. Okay. In the end, the most important shot of any hole is the shot into the green because that's gonna be the shot that's in regulation that'll get you closest to the hole for a birdie putt. If you are like most golfers, if you see anything over 300 yards, you're going to pull out your driver. You always play every hole from the green back. That's the biggest thing my coach ever told me in college is like, you take a golf hole, subtract whatever shot your favorite shot is. For me, it's 130 yards. 
So I'm going to take a 400-yard golf hole. I'm going to subtract 130, right? It's going to give me 270, right? So, okay, what do I hit 270? Well, I can hit a driver. might be a little deep. I'm going to hit a three-wood because even if I'm 140, whatever. But I don't want to be under 130. So if you want to score better, think from the green to the tee. That's the best thing I'd say. That's my, that's my therapy for the day for all you listeners. Incredible. Think of the golf hole backwards. That's all. So I'll leave it at that. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Think backwards. That is our big takeaway from the day. Dan, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much. Um, is, right, there, is there anything you else you want to share or uh, w- with the listeners before, before I let you go? No, man, just uh, great to be here. Great to talk some golf. I got, uh, you know, I mean, it's just a good opportunity to be able to, you know, share some of this with some people. Hopefully, um, you know, this is some things that can help benefit anybody out there who's a little bit intimidated when it comes to getting fit. It's really not, it shouldn't be that intimidating. I mean, just go out there, do it. The worst case scenario, you'll get some answers. Um, You know, don't feel like you have to pull any triggers. Um, You know, if you're with a good golf, uh, you know, club fitter, then you shouldn't ever feel pressured to get a club. They should be able to just give you that information and kind of let you, um, you know, do with it what you will. So other than that, just, uh, you know, just take this information with you and um, also understand that, you know, golf is very dynamic and for every fitter, they're going to have their opinion. So, you know, if you're not getting a good feel for it, if you don't feel like it fits you, just, uh, you know, kind of trust your gut. That's what I would say. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah, man. Dan, thank you very Absolutely. much, brother. This has been awesome. Really appreciate it. Brad, you have been just absolutely invaluable. How about in Phil, here. baby? Absolutely invaluable. You. Before uh before we go, one last thing. Brad, as the world's largest Phil Mickelson fan, lefty, lefty, we are recording this shortly after the conclusion of the WGC HSBC champions in China where Phil Mickelson has dropped out of the top fifty for the first time in twenty six years. Glory. How does this make you feel as a man? Incomplete, unsatisfactory, depressed, all of the above? Please, share your thoughts. Uh, no comment. I'll just say, Wait, this make par, not war. That, that's a comment. Drink yeah. fresh beer. That's all I have to say. I wish Phil can do that. That was entirely unhelpful. Thank you very much. Or I should say, thank you very little. all right (laughs) with that everybody thank you very very much i really appreciate you guys spending the time with us uh today and uh until next time adios later and that concludes episode two of highly technical golf talk uh the second half of our conversation with dan hasselroth regarding all things equipment and club fitting um, having some, we had some great feedback from part one, and so I hope you guys uh, enjoy part two as much as you did the first one. Thank you very, very much for listening. Um, yeah, but been thinking about doing this for a while and kind of making it easy for people uh, to listen to the podcast to kind of differentiate between, you know, the normal podcast that I do with uh, with Boat, where we kind of talk about that week's news, and then, um, you know, more long form topical podcasts that are, are a little more evergreen. So this way, you know, if you uh, if if you're looking through your podcast player, you got a drive coming up and you're like, ah, oh, what can I listen to? You can check out any highly technical golf talk. It should be just as fun to listen to six months to a year after its release date as it is right then and there. So I hope you guys really enjoyed that. I know I certainly did. Uh, thanks again to Dan and Brad for uh, for joining me in our studio. Uh, really, really fun, productive conversation. I learned a lot, and I hope you guys did as well. Um, if you want to support this podcast, we don't want your money. All we'd like from you is your support 
via online reviews. So if you can, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. If you can uh, do that, it would be much, much appreciated. So um, with that being said, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful week, a wonderful weekend, whenever you're listening to this. And until next time, I hope you guys enjoyed some highly technical golf talk.